Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. From AccuWeather, this is everything under the sun. Real news and real stories covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist Dean DeVore. Friends, welcome in. This is episode 12 of Everything Under the Sun here in 2023. What a couple of weeks of strong to severe storms in so much of the country. Storminess out west. Heading into this Easter Passover weekend, looks like things calmed down a little bit, although there could be some storminess still in the south and east. But as we calm down the weather a little bit this week, we are certainly getting ready and thinking about hurricane season. It's not as far away as you might think. The end of May, we'll start it and we'll start talking about what to expect from the 2023 Atlantic Basin hurricane season with our expert Dan Kutlowski. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. And welcome back into Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com as we roll on here in 2023. The calendar says April, but we are already thinking hurricane season in the Atlantic Basin for 2023. And I am joined now by our special guest, longtime hurricane expert, who we just celebrated uh, uh, his impending retirement, pending retirement, impending. I, I don't always get that mixed word, word mixed up, but Dan Kotlowski joins us. Uh, I, You know, We've talked about this over the last year or so. There has always been a plan over the last years to kind of ease you into this retirement. So we're still going to work you a little bit here going into this 2023 season. And I know, Dan, that you and... You know, you get a lot of help just as just as all of us do that are are really kind of in charge in the, uh, one thing like Paul being in charge of long range certainly mm-hmm. has to talk to you and you guys work together in terms of the hurricane forecast. The hurricane forecaster has to look and talk to the long range people and then the short term people have to get involved. So a lot of collaboration on this stuff. And I know you and another gentleman who uh, retired, Paul Walker, over the years uh, really kind of took over Dr. Joe Sobel, who also we celebrated his retirement a little bit. Last night, uh, as this podcast drops on Wednesday, we're going to talk about um, that retirement here in our second segment a little bit. But I know you got a big team, and it's not just you. But you know, and again, the knowledge and all of the expertise that you have and has been on display over the years has been incredible. And you know, I, I can't remember the exact numbers that we were talking about since your tenure here. The, what was it like 300 some named storms and it was like dozens that uh, struck the United States. So, I mean, you've seen it all, you know, it's, it's the thing, I guess the first question that I would have to you is, you know, it, it, we, it's not, it's not a funny joke, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a sarcastic, ironic observation that a bad hurricane season is really dependent on your spot and what you experience. I mean, one hurricane can make it a bad hurricane season for you and your community, while the rest of the country may not consider it a bad hurricane season. So that's kind of sometimes when when we talk about or describe a season kind of going ahead, I think that it, you got to be, it's a little risky to kind of try to put good, bad on it, right? Would you agree with that? Is Let's start with that premise. I totally agree. You know, take, take for example, last year, you know, we had... Uh, 
Ian, which was basically the the season, you know, right. and Nick, maybe to some degree Nicole. And we had one other weak storm that hit the Carolinas. And we, of course, we had Alex, which uh, didn't actually become a tropical storm until after it left Florida, but it did bring heavy rain to Florida. But bottom line is, Florida and the southeast U.S. is the one that got hit last year. But if you lived in Louisiana or Texas, already anywhere north of there, of the Carolinas, basically last year was was not a very active season. So that point you made, that the season is where it depends on where you where you live. If you get, if you were impacted by Ian last year, it was a bad year last year. Yeah, and I'm still. It's funny to me. Not funny. It's 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 interesting to me looking at pictures when I see friends that I know who live in Florida, mm-hmm. and they're and they and they walk the beaches and then they take send it. It still looks like this. It still looks like this. Yeah. So that's a that's the thing. I mean, it was so bad, and and there still has not been in some areas, maybe even 50% recovery down there. And so that leads the question, is that area susceptible again this year? So let's kind of start breaking it down. We'll get to that specific question first. Let's talk about the overall setup. We've been in two years of a La Nina, kind of differing uh, intensities of it. it. It was high and then it waned and then it came back. And now it's we finally ended that La Nina. Now we're going to go into an El Nino. But I guess the question is, how strong will that El Nino be? And I know that's not the only factor that you guys look at. You guys look at hundreds of factors. But that's one of the ones that I think general people understand most. So how does that impact where we're going here in 2023 with the hurricane season? Yeah. And in the years in which we transition to El Nino, uh, typically, those years are not near. You don't have as many storms. I try to stay. I try to stay away from the word active, as active, because you can still have a low number of storms, but you can still have two to four hits on the United States very easily. And one or two of those could be very, very high impact type storm systems. But what happens is in El Nino is the upper level winds tend to dip deeper into the tropics more frequently, creating vertical wind shear more frequently. And so uh, as a result, that vertical wind shear um, kind of uh, deters uh, tropical development uh, and you end up seeing less storms. There's other things in the overall global environment, the strong winds which come across Africa, which we call the East African jet, that tends to be a little bit weaker in, in El Nino's. But the other factor that we look at also is um, sea surface temperatures. Mm. By far, Dean, um, sea surface temperatures are just as warm this year as they were last year. Yeah, it was soupy last year, right? And that was exactly. the, that was the big concern that we had because it was so darn warm right. that if we did get activation, it had all this energy and could blow up into these big things. And that's what happened with Ian last year. It hit those uh, a couple of very uh, deep pockets of warm water and exploded just before it hit Cuba. And then after it left Cuba, it hit another warm pocket, intensified. Reanalysis now, as we kind of thought that would be the case, has now uh, called uh, Ian a Cat 5 just before it made landfall. We uh, Hurricane Sarah did reanalysis, and they do think it was as a was a cat five now um a few hours before it made landfall the uh, thing is what it did make landfall it was a cat four but still before that it mm-hmm. was a cat five and i always tell people that if you have a cat five and it's going to make landfall as a cat four there's no difference between no. because once a storm reaches that strength 
all that wave action and all that water pile up that's going ahead of it and to the right of it and the wind field doesn't doesn't die. And no. so even though the winds may have lowered slightly the threshold, the storm surge, it almost takes uh, 12 hours before the storm surge can actually dissipate or get weak, uh, uh, less active. We saw that with Katrina. We saw that with Ike. Uh, and then we also saw that to some degree with Florence and a certain, uh, especially with Michael. And so, um, again, Ian is a classic example, uh, even though it was not a Cat 5 at a hit. The actual storm surge it did have was like that of a Cat 5. Yeah. And, and that goes to what AccuWeather has done with our real impact scale, because the scale to measure the strength of a hurricane that has been traditionally used has only been based on the wind and the wind speeds of the of the uh, the center of circulation. And what like we've done in so many other things at AccuWeather over the years, I know you were pretty uh, involved in this along with Dr. Myers and, and other folks, was it's just like real feel that we've done with takes all of the factors. It's not just like wind chill, which is just wind and temperature. It's not like heat index, which is just temperature and humidity. We take into consideration how much sun, how much wind, if it's precipitating or not. Same kind of thing here, where in the real impact scale, we're not only taking the wind speed, amount of flooding, amount of surge, amount of damage. Um, you know, you can have the same hurricane in one spot and it will behave differently to the land and the people on that uh, in, in its path than a different part of the country just because of the geography of the United States. So all of those things come together and what we try to come up with this real impact scale, which goes less than one all the way to five. Exactly. So before Ian hit about, I think at least six to eight hours before Ian hit, we actually classified this as a real impact five, which is, uh, again, highest level. Again, very, very few storms ever reached that, that level in our impact scale, but we thought the storm surge and also the heavy rain it produced. Uh, some places, there was a place uh, just uh, in the path of the storm, just south of Orlando, that had 26 inches of rain. In Orlando itself, there were rainfall totals anywhere from 12 to as much as 20 inches caused major flooding throughout that area. And the other thing, Dean, that also is important to, to realize with uh, Ian is it actually did a double whammy with the with the coastal areas. Once it moved off the, the east coast again, it intensified again, caused it, it really caused some major damage along the uh, east coast of Florida. Then a, then a few weeks later, when Nicole came along, Nicole was not a very powerful hurricane, but it was just strong enough to take the the, the weak infrastructure and the, and the fragileness of the ecosystem there and completely destroyed it. So that's the problem we face. And, and the question you asked earlier is whether this season we might see a similar situation. Will the will Florida be under the threat again? It's highly unlikely, but not impossible for let's say uh, Fort Myers area to experience another uh, hurricane this season. You, I mean, they're they're again the chance of them getting a hurricane is much higher than I think a lot of people realize. And even the whole state of Florida, we think this year again has a higher than normal percentage chance of seeing uh, activity again this year. And and that's a lot because of the warm water around and yes, the yes. and the opportunity beginning of the season, especially to blow something up home. We call it, sometimes we kind of 
uh, give it a, a moniker. It's a homegrown storm. In other words, that maybe a stalled out frontal boundary or a piece of energy that kind of gets stuck somewhere, then becomes uh, starts close off and starts to become its own tropical low pressure. And, and we see that often early in the season. Later in the season, then we start looking at the wave train, those uh, storms coming off of Africa and across the Atlantic uh, to, to look at that. All right. So historical average number of storms now is over the last 30 years, 14 per season That's in the Atlantic Basin. Yeah. yeah. And we're right in that number this year, right? In terms of yeah. how many name storms we believe we have. Yeah, right now we're forecasting 11 to 15 name storms. That's both tropical storms and hurricanes. And of and again, of those, if we separate out hurricanes, we're saying of the 11 to 15, we're expecting about four to eight to become hurricanes. One to three major hurricanes, in other words, winds of 111 or higher. And uh, we believe that the uh, look at climatology and a look at the pattern currently suggests we could have like as many as two to four hits on the United States. Now, they they could all be tropical storms or they could all be hurricanes. So we don't know the intensity at this point of of what will affect the United States. But this is why everyone along the coast needs to prepare as if a hurricane is coming at them, you know. And yeah. people should not underestimate any year. Even though this is this probably will not be a real active season, still all it takes is as as, as the moniker is, all it takes is one to hit hit your back or hit right where you live or hit your business. And it's a it's a it's a really, really uh problematic situation for you. Well, and and then the other things that go along with it too, Dan, and we've talked about this is I mean, not only do we have just the formation of the storm itself, but we've been running with a lot of rapid intensification of any area of low pressure, whether it's a hurricane or a tropical closed low, a nor'easter. We see that a lot now, you know, and so this is always worrisome to me and, and more so now than ever, this rapid intensification where things look benign. And then 24 hours later, you've got a, a, a nearly major hurricane on your hands. Exactly. Exactly. And again, I remind people that when we talk about this rapid intensification, we're saying that what happens is the warm water allows thunderstorms to develop much more, e much, much quicker. And if, if if there's no shear over top or, or minimal shear, those thunderstorms go up vertically. And the more thunderstorms you, you have developing around a developing tropical storm or hurricane, the, the lower the pressure, the faster the pressure falls. So what a lot of people don't realize is that when you have rapid intensification, you also have rapid fall in pressure. So that really causes the storm to really wrap up. So that warm water is so uh, so hideous with the development and uh, with the intensification of tropical storms and hurricanes. So almost every storm that we've had hit the United States recently uh, that has been Cat 1, Cat 2, Cat 3, have all, all all of them have intensified. In fact, all, the big ones, like you look at Michael, even if you look at Ian, three days out, mm. the storms were only, they were only tropical storms. And then they intensify, explosive development caused them to become monster storms. Yeah, and then this becomes our, our, our kind of challenge as a meteorologist because that's no guarantee that that rapid intensification is going to occur. So you may have the same scenario five times and maybe only one of those times it rapidly intensifies. And this is the problem because, you know, there's so many times, oh, this could happen, this could happen. And then just the way the atmosphere works for people along that media coast and, and you travel, I've traveled, 
think about all the building and all the the push to the media. I want to be as close to the coast as possible. There's less and less time now in reality to get out of the way of these things because of this kind of uh, condensed timeline for rapid intensification. So this is why, as you said, you got to be prepared at all times. And especially even if something's close and has a chance, even the word chance should get somebody who's right on the coast acting Right. Exactly. I think the one thing we learned from Ian, which it's actually is nothing that we learned, but but that really hits the ball, hits hits the uh, number one issue. It confirms it confirms AccuWeather and all of us are our thought process is what you're saying, right? Exactly. People people wait to the last minute to evacuate. You can't do that in a hurricane situation nowadays. As you said, there's so much more infrastructure. I'm sure you've been to Fort Myers. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Captiva area that is over clear the line. water, clear water beach yeah, all the way down that there. Whole yeah. Area has just become so much more congested mm. now that to, to get people away from the barrier islands 30 years ago only took like 36 hours. Now, uh, specialists now realize now it's going to take at least two days. Wow. To get- People away, get them off those islands, get them into ferries, get them away from the uh, harm's way. So even though we had um, storm surge warnings out way in advance, it still was not enough time to get some of those people off off those islands because there's a lot of people that are older. I'm not saying that age has anything to do with it because I'm, I'm getting old myself. Dean, <laughs> you are too. A spring chicken there, Mister. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But but the point is, you need more time, and so yeah, I, and, I, yeah I it's difficult in that area because uh, everything's on top of each other. On these barrier islands, you may only have one bridge servicing yeah, hundreds exactly. of thousands of people. Um, I. <laughs> Being down in Clearwater Beach when Penn State plays in a bowl game down there, it's awful getting in and off of those barrier islands if we stay there because, and that's not even a hurricane. That's just a lot of people for a football game. So I I totally understand that. Um, Look, uh, we're going to take a break here, but when we come back, I want to ask you about, are we going to get clues as we go through the season, as we lead up to it and in the season about when we could see maxes of stuff? I also want to talk to Dan about not only his career, but some of the other retirees that we talked uh, about yesterday and just kind of the special nature of AccuWeather and how all of our information over the years been certainly solidly uh, come up with and then uh, continually enhanced by the things that we look at and and we pass that on. I want to talk about that with Dan Kutlowski, our hurricane expert. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. Friends, welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. We're focusing on the 2023 Atlantic Basin Hurricane forecast from AccuWeather and AccuWeather.com that was released last week. You can go on our website, AccuWeather.com, and look that up on our app as well, or just do a Google search, AccuWeather Hurricane Forecast. So the question I led into the break was, you know, a lot of times when we talk to Paul about long-range forecasts in terms of being so out so early with something is, you know, he'll tell me sometimes, hey, this is what we're thinking now, but there's a couple of points along the way where we may have to reevaluate. Are there points in this where we may need to look and reevaluate and maybe go up or down in some of those numbers? Yeah, I think a critical time this year will be probably uh, we'll have an update in August, August 1st. I think that'll be a critical time because we believe by then we will know uh, how we're how we're how we're easing into El Nino, and I think we'll see more. Usually, by the time you get to that time of the year, the long range computer models are much better at assessing the 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 overall short term global climate, and so we believe that we will have much better information to make us more uh, positive. But Dean, the big issue, as you pointed out is how strong of an El Nino this year is going to be. If right. it turns out to be a real strong El Nino, like we had in some years, like uh, 1984, uh, as we had, I think it was 1972, going into that, um, those years we saw a lot less storm development and it really shut things down across the Atlantic uh, quite a bit. And if that happens in our numbers, we might actually be too high on our numbers. But my point I want to make here is... Every year, the worst time of the year is August, September, and October. Mm-hmm. Those are the times that we are most concerned about the major hurricanes, the big, because that's when the water's all the warmest. That's when, if there's going to be less shear, again, we expect more shear, but if there's going to be episodes of lower shear, they're more likely to happen then. Another thing, too, people uh, forget, we have a lot of dust that comes off the coast of Africa during mm. uh, May, June, July, and early August. By mid-August, the dust becomes... Uh, a no big deal uh, type situation. So less dust and less of that suppressing tropical development. So as a result, we, we again, we'll take a hard look at August 1st. One other thing I want to point out here that a lot of people overlook is early season development. Yes. Again, as you point out, the water temperatures are very warm. Therefore, you always got to be concerned about the possibility of, of like a tropical storm erupting like in maybe May, June, uh, time period. But again, usually the early season development are not nearly as problematic as you would be in August, September, and October. Dan Kalowski, our longtime hurricane expert, who is uh, graciously kind of easing towards retirement. We celebrated the retirements of four AccuWeather stalwarts, Hall of Fame. I mean, this is... Um... I've been here now 25 years, and I think, um, you know, these folks are people that uh, I really respect. Dr. Joe Sobel, who I I luckily inherited his early morning radio schedule, so uh, I couldn't stay as long last night as I would have liked to, but I had to get in here this morning. Um, Dave Bowers. Uh, the Tower Power, who for many years was a stalwart on late day radios across the country, big cities, um, uh, former 
direct report of mine, uh, Paul Walker, who with you, I mean, you guys uh, really were the hurricane folks morning and afternoon kind of uh, for years. And um, what a team that has been. And then yourself. Um, And so, you know, I think when you look at that group and you say, oh, this all of this knowledge and stuff is leaving. But that's not the case. I think, you know, one of the great things at AccuWeather and I think this was pointed out a lot last night. I wanted to get your thoughts on it as you kind of ease into this uh, less active role and, and more and retirement and stuff is the satisfaction from you as someone who's gained all this experience and has been a great mentor to so many. And all four of these people that I just mentioned have been amazing mentors in their own way. Um, and and that's freely given here at AccuWeather. I've been to places where institutional knowledge and things that would help you as a younger professional aren't always given by the folks above you. That's not the case here. Nobody holds back. We all want the best product. And that's been something that I've been amazingly uh, fortunate to work with and proud of AccuWeather for just that fact. Yeah, I think the one thing that's, that's unique about AccuWeather is we have this one big family and we treat that one. Way. We have a, a, a camaraderie that's very rare in, in in industry, in any industry that we have. And so that camaraderie, I think, allows us to pass things down. I was also, uh, I was also led to training program at AccuWeather uh, since back in the, uh, uh, about the mid, uh, mid eighties, I think 84 is when I took it over. So the mid, uh, mid eighties till, uh, till about a couple of years ago, uh, everybody that came through AccuWeather went through me for about uh, a two to four week uh, training period. And again, I basically just taught them geography, uh, the tricks of the trade. I mean, you come out of college, you have the basic knowledge of meteorology, but actually applying that, the applications are something that you'll learn throughout your uh, throughout your career. And so mm-hmm. I try to, try to give them a boost, you know, to help them uh, move along faster with uh, with that growth that they will that they will encounter here at this office. You're you're with so many very talented people in this office. We work together. Um, so yeah, a, a passing of knowledge means that uh, there is no letdown once we do retire. Hey, look, we all would like to be always victorious in the way we feel and forecast the weather as individuals, but we can't. And 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 there's failure in this. And even the best are fa- fail in in terms of the way they're thinking. But what we do here is try to build consensus. And that's what I think sets us apart sometimes. And then just understanding that, you know, everybody's going to see something a different way. I think uh, once you learn that some of the people who see certain things a certain way, maybe <laughs> the better way to see it and, the, and the, maybe not the better way to see it. Uh, I think, I think that's just unique and I'm so glad. And, and I didn't get a chance to say this last night, but thank you. Cause I know you've been so supportive of me and, thank that whole group uh, for what they've been able to do. And and look, it's in the pudding. I mean, I think the proof is there where, uh, you know, Dr. Joe, Elliot, you move on to enjoy life, not having to get up at oh dark 30 or whatever like that. And uh, the beat goes on here at AccuWeather. So congratulations. I know we're going to still talk to you at times throughout the, the hurricane season, but uh, it was great to celebrate the retirement. And thanks for all the information. Any last little Dan Kotlowski nuggets about hurricane season 2023 in the Atlantic Basin? I just think this year is going to be a lot different as far as uh, tr- trying to see how things are going to happen. So this is the reason why people can't say, oh, it's going to be a less active season. 
these less active seasons sometimes can be real foolers. So please mm-hmm. be on your guard. That's all I yeah. ask. Keep you updated throughout the season. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, you stay on your guard and keep up to date. We're always updating the information to have the latest and best. Dan, thanks for being with me. Thanks a lot, Dean. Friends, Dan is right. You have all the tools to keep up to date with this hurricane season as we go through it, as we make any forecast adjustments. And then once we do have tropical storms and hurricanes on the map, we will keep you up to date minute by minute of how they are progressing and where they're heading to and what possibilities they will uh, certainly bring. So do that. Check in with us on AccuWeather, AccuWeather.com, our AccuWeather apps and our great media partners across the country and certainly across the world. We want to thank all of our great team members across the country and across the world who uh, certainly, as I said before, honor those that have come before us by continuing the tradition of the way AccuWeather looks at things and tries to forecast things. And we appreciate all their efforts. We appreciate the efforts of my executive production team, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, as we put this podcast together weekly. And we have more exciting, fun things to come as we go over the next several weeks. Took a look at the way the weather is affecting the economy and also food prices as we get ready for what could be a highly impactful growing season for a lot of reasons in different parts of the country and we'll look at other factors too where the weather meets your life for ken and andy and all of our great team members across the world i'm dean devore thanks for listening we'll talk to you next week on everything under the sun from accuweather.com thanks for listening to this week's episode be sure to subscribe to rate and review everything under the sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at AccuWeather.podcast at AccuWeather.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.